G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, always a fabulous opportunity to catch up on some real insights into some of the issues that we're seeing in the headlines that are there prominent in our mind and making sense of those sometimes is uh, it's very valuable to get some insights from a Christian worldview perspective uh, from someone with the wisdom of Charles Newington, who's National Director of Family Voice Australia and joining us once again. Hello, Charles. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you. Hello, Neil. Have a good... Nice to be with you again today. (laughs) Charles, always good to talk, and uh, you're across so many issues, whether they be uh, those issues at home here in Australia, and we'll get on to some of those, but perhaps let's kick off with something that's happening on the international scene, and oftentimes, uh, you know, when we're talking about international stories, we can feel so far removed from those, but very important things... Let me ask you about the U.S. calling out China this week because uh, it seems the U.S. Director of National Intelligence uh, says China was undermining Western democracy through military brinkmanship and cyber war, using every arm of its government to secure disputed territories, shape global discourse about China, disrupt Western elections and steal key economic, military and technical secrets from the U.S. and its allies. Those are big, big accusations, and no doubt they're quite true. Uh, What are your thoughts on these developments? Yes, it is an escalation. Uh, You know, we've been hearing about the trade war, but this is is them pulling the covers back and saying, this is the reason why there's a trade war, that this is more than a trade war. This is this is an issue of uh, of kind of global domination. That the, the, the there's a, a concerted attempt to undermine Western influence, and particularly U.S. influence in the world, and and this is happening through these processes of espionage, you know, uh, both military and also uh, uh, commercial enterprise, uh, enterprise espionage. And um, so here we have the the U.S. government actually calling it and sort of saying, look, these are the issues, and they wouldn't be doing that in, on an international level if they didn't have evidence. And so that really is an escalation. And uh, I, I noted also that um, that articles are now starting to come out to actually name the fact that there's an alliance that's been developed, an undisclosed alliance that's been developed between Russia and China, working together to undermine uh, Western uh, global power and influence, particularly the U.S. And so if this is not the first stages of a second Cold War, then it's getting very chilly in this political winter, isn't it? There's, there's obviously something going on that's, um, that, um, that, that I, we need to be aware of. Interesting, isn't it? Because we'd all like to know what the rules of international espionage might be. And (laughs) no doubt there is no rule book, but there is a certain sense in which ideologies play a big role in the way that you understand 
how nations will perform when it comes to these sorts of issues. Uh, the sorts of things that underpin a nation, oftentimes the ideologies they're built upon. Uh, what are your thoughts for that sort of idea, Charles? Well, I understand the role of espionage. I think, uh, you know, we, we need intelligence in order to minimise the need for force. Uh, so what we're doing, say, for instance, in the war against terror is an example where we need good intelligence to minimise the need for boots on the ground. But at the same time, you know, there is a difference between the kind of intelligence we gather in order to maintain the equilibrium globally and the kind of intelligence we gather in order to disrupt it. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing that there's a, 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 dis, a disruptive determination here on the part of China to actually uh, overthrow the, the, the balance as it is and to introduce a new balance. These things happen historically. You know, we take the long view and we see that there's pushback. I mean, it wasn't, only, it wasn't so long ago, for instance, that there was a fierce uh, uh, and almost nuclear confrontation between Russia and the U.S., and now we find that we're going another round. It's, it's more subtle, it's more sophisticated in the way in which it does its intelligence and its influence, in, you know, what we're seeing in China, China's influence in the, Asia, in, the, uh, in the Pacific region and in so many places. They are, they are building an economic structure of dependence where other nations are dependent upon them and therefore uh, can be coerced into it being a, a place where they can place, uh, say, a military installation or give harbour to their ships or whatever this this is a this is not um, this is not business as usual this is this is imperialism charles <laughs> let's move on from talking about cold wars uh let's talk about something closer to home of course uh, a new south wales election coming up at the end of march uh, one of the issues there of course uh, keeping scripture in school you've had a bit to say about that this week Yes, um, we made the observation that uh, that our society was founded upon Judeo-Christian principles and really can only be understood with some knowledge of the Bible. And if you remove it, then what we lose is an understanding of what we might call the ethical social capital, the ethical capital um, of our society, the kind of stuff that helps people to make um, sensible decisions um, when... They, they haven't got the, the, the law book in front of them, you know. It's just basic things like being polite in the traffic and respecting people's property and uh, that, that sort of stuff. That stuff is actually, we assume that that stuff is, is kind of part of the mix uh, of all societies, but it's not actually. It, it gets developed. Now, there are some societies that don't necessarily respect property. and you, you, you can soon tell that because you drive through them and the homes have got massive security systems all around them <laughs> and there's no, there's no law and order in the society. Um, but things like law and order, they, they develop out of values, out of an underlying cultural uh, appreciation of uh, of the importance of uh, of personal freedoms and and the right to property, etc. So, I was going to say uh, such an important point to make when you're talking about this sort of capital, this social capital that comes uh, from the sorts of things that we teach our children at school, and and I know that parents listening to our conversation now are concerned about what their children are getting or not getting through the religious education programs in their schools. Uh, what about what could be happening in New South Wales? Because uh, uh, because there's uh, there's all sorts of issues, aren't there, around uh, keeping uh, scripture in schools mm. and what might happen if there is a change of government. 
Yes, well, this is a um, a union uh, driven thing. Um, you know, it's the um, it's the the, the schools uh, the schools unions that are teachers unions that are doing this press a pressure and. Um, and so there's no doubt about it that, that the Labor government, our Labor government, might be more sympathetic to that pressure than than the than the coalition that would that would tend to take a more conservative conservative attitude and value uh, the the long-standing role of teaching scripture in schools. Okay. I think the thing is important. The thing is that's important to understand is this isn't just about teaching Bible stories, but it's about cultivating values that arise out of the Scripture. Things like selflessness and service and integrity and a commitment to the common good. It's 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 that that, that we lose if we if we push it out. And of course, that's what they want to lose. They want to replace that with a new ethic. And there are loud voices coming from unionists. You're saying that parents are the ones whose children are in the schools and uh, they're the ones that need to be uh, you know, loud and influencing the way that governments think about what children ought to be taught, not just a few hundred unionists. Exactly. I think that you know, on the one side of politics, there's a tendency to think that schools are teacher-driven, are union-driven, and they are uh, an expression of the state, and the state has authority there. On the other side of politics, you would look at it and say, hang on a minute, these children actually belong to families, and the most important people are the parents who, who, who entrust their children into the care of the state in this thing. But the state must respect the parents' views. So that, that's, you know, that's the polarity, the political polarity, and we're saying, um, listen to the parents, uh, listen to the parents. That's what we're saying, and uh, and I think that you know that's an important an important message, isn't it? And you're saying if you scrap scripture in school, and uh, you know if there is a minimising of religious education, then you're actually making it harder for those children to become uh, decent citizens in a society. And uh, all of those things you talked about, uh, you know, just the, the common courtesies we might experience on the roads. And, and I think if we all look around us, we can see a deterioration of the sorts of values we might have known over the decades. And uh, there does seem to be a very apparent change now. Do you think you can correlate uh, the idea of a lessening of the impact of teaching religious education with some of these changes we're seeing quite obviously in our own day-to-day life, Charles? Well, um, you know, I haven't done the study to be able to cor- correlate it uh, um, uh, because it's a relatively new phenomenon. But I think that we would all acknowledge that uh, that as as Christianity is being marginalised in society, what what's happening is we're seeing the public debate the, uh, becoming so uncivil, uh, and uh, the way people d- manage difference. Um, it's such an irony because on the one hand, you know, there's such a political, you know, what I call wedge politics, really, on, say, racism or something like that, where they'll use, they'll, they'll call somebody out as a racist um, pretty quickly. But on the other hand, it's done in such an uncivil manner, <laughs> you know, there's, just, there's obviously not a coherence in the new ethic that's coming through. The, the new ethic is incoherent because on the one hand, it says some things are wrong and on the other hand, it, 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 it sort of shouts and screams and, uh, and takes away someone else's rights. So th- this is the thing about when cultures are in transition, you know, it, it's, it's a very complicated process. And, and kids at school, I, I have a lot of sympathy for them because they are actually the meat and the sandwich here. There's two ethics that are having a war 
um, uh, for, for the school. And the kids are in the middle having to work out which voice they listen to. So I, I just, you know, ask people just calm down and recognize the children need to be considered in all this and we've got to manage this in a way that doesn't jeopardize their futures. And as a parent, recognize that you do have some power when you speak. Let's change tack, uh, something completely different. And on something else here in Australia, uh, you've identified a, a issue this week where Victoria Cross hero Keith Payne has been going through a different uh, type of uh, pain because his blind sister in a Queensland oh. nursing home oh. was being over-medicated, including psychotherapy tropic drugs for the reason that she was always calling out. Uh, your thoughts on the story as that's unfolded? Yes, well, uh, it's such a, such a sad story. I mean, it, it, this is part of the complexity of caring for aged people these days. Uh, you know, the people are living longer, and, uh, and that doesn't mean that they're, they're, they're living healthy lives necessarily, but in the, la- the later years of their lives, very often there's issues like dementia, etc. In this particular case, this lady um, is blind, and so she finds herself in this home, and uh, she doesn't know the place, she's unfamiliar with it, and she calls out for help or for comfort or whatever, and it's disruptive, and so they were giving her medication to make her quieten down. Um, just, but just think about what that represents. I mean, you know, she was, you know, the article is, is quite descriptive of how, how she was suffering under this. And, uh, and, and it's an example. It's not an, it's not an, a rare example of, of, uh, of older people that are fra- the frail aged and, and how helpless they are. Uh, and um, I'm thinking about it against the background of the nation of being shoved and strong-armed into euthanasia one state after another, all in the name of a more compassionate society. Uh, and yet, um, in reality, you know, the old and infirm, imagine if you were in that situation and, uh, and, and you know, wouldn't you be intimidated by that environment, you know, by the fact that somebody might decide that your life's not worth living? We have to we have to make sure that the frail aged are very very well protected as we go down this path of offering assisted suicide. I mean, it's 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 just uh, you know it's just uh, so deeply troubling that um, and I just made the observation you know that that in the abortion abortion legislation that's just gone through Queensland and it's going through other states, it it seems to be sending do defending the rights of those people who can speak for themselves, you know, confident women who feel like they can make their own choice about this and they should have the right to make their own choice. But so many of the people that are going to have uh, abortions, they are coerced. They're going there because of pressure, you know, that this child is either of the wrong sex or, uh, or, or, or their, 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 their living relationship won't sustain it. It would just be too complicated. They don't necessarily want that abortion. Uh, uh, but so now, you know, what this actually does is it increases the, it increases their powerlessness. You know, that's the thing. It increases their powerlessness. No, nobody's going to look into it if this child is being aborted because it happens to be the wrong sex. Um, so I, I just, I pray and uh, that uh, the church recognizes, you know, and I pray that we as Christians recognize that, you know, everything is not well in Camelot and we need to, uh, we need to realize our responsibility, not just um, to protest these issues, but to, to, to find ways of actually being the, 
the, the balm in Gilead, being the, the loving hands, being the caring heart that our society needs. That's our vocation. And it's, it's time for us to recognize this in a new way. Always so good, good getting your insights, Charles, when you connect the aborting of babies, uh, the euthanizing of the elderly and the infirm, and now uh, the silencing of those who may appear uh, to simply be calling out for help and uh, significant issues that change in a changing society. And as we move away from these understandings that we have of our Christian ethics, that we are created in the image and likeness of God, and that's the thing that gives us value. Uh, yes. Charles, we have run out of time. Uh, I always do appreciate your insights. I look forward to a Thursday just so we can uh, get into, uh, get on a roll yes. and uh, and start talking about some of these sorts of issues. Let me point I'm people to... For one minute. I'm desperate for one minute just to finish up. You yep, know, I sure. just want yep. to make this point that yep. when we defend the smallest child in the womb, we are in fact, in, in fact defending every child. And when we defend the frailest person who clings to life, we are defending every person who needs to know that their frailty is not an invitation to end their life. And that's a call for all of us to uh, keep diligent and remain uh, in the way that we'll speak out on these pro-life issues. Uh, Charles Newington, National Director of Family Voice Australia. Let me point people to the website, familyvoice.org.au. There'll be fabulous articles, great resources there, familyvoice.org.au. Charles, thanks for being with us once again today on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.